It is Monday, June 12th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Boy, you're uh, in an, this is what, three straight shows, three different cities for you. I'm, you know, I have a mobile office, so we're okay. I got all my stuff set up. Actually, I was trying to do this thing where I have my laptop here and I have the TV above me right here. And I was going to put everyone on the screen, but I just can't figure it out. So things are good though. Uh, I am in Minneapolis, Tampa, Toronto, Minneapolis. And then finally on Wednesday, I'll go home, which I'm excited about. So but it's been a blast, man. Traveling around with the boys, a couple of showbirds, being on the plane, playing cards, being in the dugout, being in the clubhouse. It's it's brought me back, man. A lot of old memories for sure. Good. I'm happy for you. I'm excited for you. Uh, wearing a Pirates hat, uh, tip of the cap to two different people, starting with Andrew McCutcheon, becomes the fifth active player with 2,000 hits. It was awesome to see yesterday. His wife, his three kids. It's the reason he re-signed in Pittsburgh. He said, I wanted my kids to see where it all started, where this magical run did. So awesome for him as the Pirates are back in first place. But a real tip of the cap this weekend. I believe her first name is Jannie Morales. She is the woman that saved a life in Tampa Bay on Friday night. There was somebody who went into cardiac arrest. She is a former ultrasound technician, went to the game. Her husband surprised her with, surprised her with tickets. She noticed that this man was in distress, and she literally saved his life. She did three sets of 30 CPR. Do you know how hard that is? I've talked to plenty of doctors who are like, listen, your chances of saving somebody, even if you know CPR, are so slim. This woman saved a life over the weekend, and she deserves way more than a tip of the cap, but I just want to shout her out on this show. That gives me chills to think about it. Surprise tickets from your husband end up being in the right place, right time. That's serendipitous to say the least. It's that's amazing. So, yeah, absolutely. Salute, tip of the cap, everything. My goodness. Yep. Yep. All right, let's start talking a little baseball because it was another crazy weekend. The Halos, they're running hot as they head into first place Texas tonight for a four-game series. Uh, Neto's been phenomenal, had his first multi-homer game yesterday. They took a series from Seattle. Um, but what's the bigger deal right now? The offensive tear that Shohei has been on or the trouble that he continues to have on the mound and you couple that with the offensive struggles of one Mike Trout. So I think Mike Trout will obviously continue or will get it going. I'm not really worried about Mike Trout. There's going to be times, even with the player of his caliber, that you're going to struggle. Um, I love the fact that Shohei is going off offensively. I think he's got his OPS up to like 930 or something like that. He's he's a, a beast, obviously. But the one thing that concerns me with Shohei is the pitching lines. Even though some of the numbers are all right, he leads the league and hits per nine at 5.3. He's just walking. He's so erratic. It's not that he's only walking people. He leads the league in wild pitches and hit by pitches. It just kind of... And I don't know if that comes from like the extended like checks on like the grip or anything like that, or if it's just him being erratic. I mean, he's He's been that way in the past, uh, but overall, like the pitching numbers still aren't bad. I'm not, I'm not really worried about any of this stuff. I'm happy he's going off offensively, but you know, I know that some of the lines on his games haven't been great, uh, but I, I like Mike Trout's slump. I don't expect that to continue either. So I'm not really worried on, about that aspect. So I guess to answer your question, the bigger deal is that he is hitting the way he is offensively. Uh, he's been going off and, and seemingly carrying the team at points. 
Um, and but lucky for the Angels, it hasn't been all him. We had Mickey Moniak had some big hits in this series, and you mentioned Zach Neto, and you know they've had some supplemental pieces doing it. Rendon's back; it's nice. I, I'm I'm actually not worried about the Angels at all. I'm excited for them and what you know the future of this season holds. Yeah. I am a worry, worried a little bit about him on the mound. You you mentioned the number of walks, and he's had 19 in his last eight starts. And some, you know, he's had three, four walks. That's that's a rough go. In fact, in that little stint of eight starts, his ERA has jumped almost a run and a half. It's still barely over three. And if you look big picture at where he is and just what he is, the only American League player that has more home runs than his 18 in the batter's box is Aaron Judge. The only American League pitcher who has more strikeouts than him is Kevin Gossman. So with all this stuff where I look at him, I'm like, man, come on, dude, get it together. Well, I have to take a step back. I think it's just my expectations of him are to be elite all the time. And if he's elite in one area and more than serviceable in the other, then I think that's probably a – a rose problem instead of a Shohei problem. Is well, that yeah, we just Yeah, we just expect him. We expect so much out of him, and I think he likes that. That's okay with him. He isn't a guy. The pressure's not going to build up on Shohei and him. Like, I can't believe you guys are expecting so much out of me. Like, he, I think he expects a lot out of himself, too. And even with some of these starts and some of these lines, I mean, he's still got like a 3-3. He's still got a 131 um, ERA plus, like, you know, the FIP isn't what it was uh, last year, but I, again, I, I expect him. There are just times where you're going to go through a rough, a rough patch during the season. It wouldn't, would it surprise you if show had the next three starts went eight innings pitch and walked like two guys or three guys overall and struck out a bunch. It wouldn't surprise me. It would, it would surprise me if he does it this week against Texas. That's true. And it okay. wouldn't surprise me though. You would, you just be like, Oh, okay. Would. Okay. No, He's that offense is awesome. By the way, real quickly, Trout did snap an 0 for 14 slide yesterday with a big base hit. He's got 79 strikeouts, fifth most in baseball, 826 OPS. The lowest of his career for a single season is 929. So he's got to crank it up. I you hope know he what does. That means. You know what that means, though. He's going to get hot, right? He's it's gonna get coming. Hot yeah. Uh, so let's see. We talked a little bit about the Pirates. They win a series against the Mets. The A's swept the Brewers. We'll have more on that in a second. Meanwhile, Cincinnati takes care of business in St. Louis, thanks in part to Ellie De La Cruz, who's hitting the ball all over the yard, making base running plays that are just mouthwatering for a baseball fan. So the Reds are only four back there in the Central. Everybody loves the story, but will this team be in the divisional race the entire season? I, I think they will, Chris. And I, we kind of talked about this a little bit on Talking Baseball. You know, you, I kind of like we talk about Shohei and and positive regression on the pitching side and same with Mike Trout just going through a little slump. The one thing I'm worried about with the Reds is we we're relying on a lot of young players here. Um, and a lot of guys that are, you know, don't have a ton of big league experience. They've had initial success. And, you know, you could say like McLean has been up here and steer has been up here. So there's been a chance for the league to adjust to them, but you know, they they've done well so far. I'm worried about a little bit of regression on that end, but maybe they could prove me wrong. I think the one thing I worry about with the Reds, and now they're in the division to, you know, be in the race, and I don't know what they are in the wild card. They're only maybe like two games back of a wild card. If you check that out, I think I have it up here right here, actually. But for them, it's it's it is the starting pitching still. 
Now, you with the bullpen, the way they've been able to throw the ball this year, you don't have to have, you know, a bunch of really good starters going deep into games, but you like Hunter Green to start going deeper into games. They got Andrew Abbott to come up, and he's been good. But again, he's a young guy, so do you expect him to throw shutouts every game? Obviously not. Ben Lively's been a nice surprise for them, but he's more of like a back-of-the-rotation type of guy. So if they can figure out how to get enough innings out of their starters, I think the offense, even though I mentioned a little bit of regression coming, I think they'll be able to go because it has been dispersed. Uh, kind of, you know, there's it's it's a longer lineup of guys. There's enough guys there to do it. You hope that, you know, they don't all regress at the same time. So I think the offense will be okay. I think the bullpen's been great. The starting pitching to me is where, you know, we're going to have to look and see, well, is this team going to be able uh, to stay in the race all season long? And if they get that starting pitching, they get enough length, I think they will be. Yeah, because the bullpen's actually been pretty good, right? Diaz has been phenomenal there on the back end. Farmer, uh, Gabo, um, Sims, all really good. Really good. It, it comes down to this pitching. It really does. Like, Hunter Green can't be a flip-flop every time. He's got to be great 80% of the time, right? If he has six starts in a month, in five of them, I need him to really keep us in the game. Because he, as fun as this offense is, at some point it's going to – not going to put six runs on the board, seven runs on the board. Here's the thing. You you asked about the wild card. They're three back in the wild card. But the teams that are ahead of them, San Francisco, Philly, San Diego, and they're tied with the Mets. That's a lot of firepower. Those are some big payroll teams that you think at some point will step on the accelerator. Can the Reds keep up with those squads? I don't think so in the wild card. So the question is, are they good enough to win a division where probably nobody's running away? And I still think that's probably. I think, listen, I think an amazing year for the Reds would be to get close to 80 wins and to be in contention where games September 15th still means something for them mathematically. That's what I would say. I, I, I think I agree with you that the division is their best shot at the playoffs. Pittsburgh's leading it right now. Milwaukee has been abysmal offensively. Again, yep. I mentioned they're on base percentage on talking baseball. I think it's like the fifth worst in baseball. It's it's what <laughs> what we always talk about, the Marlins. And hey, could we just get some offense? And they've actually been doing that. That's why they've been winning series. We, we got to be saying that about the Brewers now. Like, can we get some offense going to support this pitching staff and they have been able to do it. So the Reds, yeah, I mean, look, they're four games back in the division behind the Pirates, three games behind the Brewers. St. Louis is just stuck in a rut, dude. I don't know. I think they just dug maybe too big of a hole. I'm curious to see what they do at the trade trade deadline. But I like this Reds team and the way they're playing, the energy, all that's amazing. I, I think we both just agree. Like we just, the starting pitching has to be better. Right. And there are people who have been comparing them a little bit to my Guardians team from a year ago, right? Young. Not in the sense that their offense is way, way more advanced than the Guardians' offense was. But Cleveland's pitching was eons better than Cincinnati's pitching. And that's why Cleveland was able to take off in September. I'm just saying that at some point, with this many innings under young arms that you're relying on in September when you really have to be able to crank it up a notch, I don't foresee it. I think it'd be fun. 
I love I love watching this team. They're a ton of energy. Like, could you imagine what, what was going on in Adam Wainwright's mind last yesterday as he was trying to beat Ellie De La Cruz to the bag on a ball that was hit to the first baseman? He's like, dude, I just caught a first pitch from my kid who's like barely younger than <laughs> Ellie De La Cruz. And now I gotta race this kid to a bag? Come on. No, it's been, it's been so it's been so fun to watch those guys play ball. The energy there is yeah. palpable. It's awesome. Yep, really good. So I think we're both in kind of in the same boat that we think it's a long, long shot for them. But, but you never know. I will deal in facts. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you have no idea what it is, they're the ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. With over twenty-eight million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. So what I need you to do right now is head on over to your phone, App Store, download SeatGeek, and off you go. Why? Because there are more than 70,000 events every single day available on SeatGeek. That includes not only sporting events, but concerts, festivals, and oh so much more. And here's the thing. They love you. They just don't say, hey, use our app. We'll get our dough. We're good. They care about you. They want you to have the experience of a lifetime. So when you're on the app, Look for the green dot. They rank every seat available. Green is good. Red, bad. And every ticket is backed by a buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return tickets ahead of time of the event with swaps for future dates. And we got the hookup here at John Boy Media. You use the code word today, you get 20 bucks off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That is $20 off your first purchase with the promo code today. So click on the link in the description, download the app, go have some fun, get Ploof a ticket. After he's been home for a few weeks, he'll meet you anywhere in the country for that Taylor Swift concert because he's been dying to go. I'm in. Did you see that people have been wearing adult diapers to Taylor Swift concerts because they don't want to miss a song? I did not see that. I would love to go to a Taylor Swift concert. I'm big okay, on but seeing you wear an adult shows diaper? like that. No, I, I would not. I don't right. think. I like, is there not? There's not bathrooms there. Well, there are, but they're saying that the lines are usually so long, and they don't want to miss anything from her set. Well, that sounds like Taylor Swift needs to add more bathrooms to her concerts. <laughs> right? Like, let's. That, you can't be. That's disgusting. How about bringing truckers, buddy? Let's call it that. Call it a day. I don't know. What's that? You're kidding me. You don't know what a trucker's buddy is? I think I can guess what it is now that you're looking at me like that and we're talking about diapers. It sounds like it's a form of a diaper. No, it's a trucker's buddy is a is an empty bottle that you piss in so you don't have to take a bathroom break. Oh. Fill that bad boy up. Oh, I definitely know what driving. that is. I mean, bro, I'm the son of a pool man. We... Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. I don't need to get into that. (laughs) Mets wrapped up a one and five road trip. Oh my God. They're way, way back. A few exits on the expressway behind Atlanta. Meanwhile, owner Steve Cohen told the New York post, he will not overreact, blow the whole thing up mid season. Uh, Cohen admitted that uh, that might show fans quote, Oh, he really cares. He's one of us, but the reality is it's not going to solve our problems. I think in some ways it can be demotivating. Do you think that Steve Cohen needs to go a little Steinbrenner-esque, as in George Steinbrenner-esque, and go nuts here, or just remain calm like he plans on doing? 
no, he shouldn't go Steinbrenner esque. And um, I think it's, I think I'm like kind of liking or loving what he said there. It, it is true. He goes, uh, you know, he could blow everything up, but he doesn't know if he'll be able to make it better. I think he's shown a little bit of like maturation as an owner, understanding the situation that it's very difficult to number one, put a winning product on the field. Um, you got you like you can pull all the right strings or strings that you think are the right strings, and then baseball happens. So he's he's getting a little taste of that, and I think you know the fact that he understands that he's probably talked to a bunch of people in his front office, and you know I'm sure he's taking advice in a in a new role. Like this isn't like he doesn't have a ton of experience owning a team. I think it's it's actually refreshing to hear him talk like that. You know I I, I don't. For all like the excitement we got when he came in and the things that he said and the money that he spent and the team he's put together, I think he has put together a really nice roster. It hasn't panned out. Um, I like this almost more than I like him coming in guns a blazing. A lot more, a lot, lot more, because I, I think that's the that was the temperature of the room was we were like, oh my god, here comes this crazy nutty owner, yeah, you know. And that's not exactly what it's been. Although last year we thought at times when he started to hop on Twitter, we were like, oh boy. Remember we we discussed that on the show? Sure. When he said, hey, our team, they've got to show more discipline. We have to have a higher OPS, all this sort of stuff. And we we're like, oh man, here it goes. Here it goes. And he just hasn't been that. And that's okay. Like yes. at the end of the day, what if he goes in and he walks in and Billy, you're out of here. Buck, you're gone. Is that all of a sudden going to fix everything that ills the New no. York Mets? No. Of course it's not. I mean, basically, the guys they've got there have got to perform better. And then in the offseason, you kind of survey the landscape and you try and figure out why they didn't reach their potential if they didn't. I, I, enough of the, well, let's get rid of Daniel Vogelbach and Mark Vientos has got to play more. Fine. That, that, those are little, little things that sometimes can make a bit of a difference. No question. And I, I know. No team likes their manager in terms of their strategy. I'm not going to find one team. There isn't one. Cubs were motherfucking Joe Madden the year he broke a 108-year curse based on what he was doing. They were saying we were winning in spite of him. So there's not one fan base that loves the way their manager manages a game or the lineup he creates or the pitching moves he makes. So I didn't, I'm not going to listen to that stuff because every team is inundated with shit like that. But at the end yeah. of the day... Guys we pay big money to have got to start playing like that. And that's what it comes down to. It's not a Stevie Cohen temper tantrum. I mean, how many times have you heard me say, like, it's the players on the field? That's <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> the managers can only have so much impact on, on a game, and the owner really has no impact on a game. He, you know, he impacts the budget, and, you know, he lets his scouting department and his front office put together a roster and that's all he can do. I think he's starting Steve's starting to understand that that hey, like you can only do so much. As no, I think he's I think he's done everything you'd want your owner to do. I think he's I think he's actually been really good exactly. for the organization. I don't know how you can say otherwise. So I mean when you come into a new situation, a new entity, you don't know a ton about it, maybe he thought he can impart more and have more of an impact on the field. But I think he's realizing like, okay, like there's nothing you can really do. You put together the best team you can and you just see how it shakes out. 
All right. Uh, biggest story from a road team visiting the Midwest this past weekend. Diamondbacks sweep in Detroit, have now won five in a row and lead the Dodgers by three and a half in the NL West. The A's have ripped off five wins in a row, turning the NL Central standings on its head. Or that the Marlins, with a pair of come-from-behind wins against the White Sox on the south side. I think more than anything, it's and I'm not surprised um, the D-backs swept Detroit. I mean, obviously the Tigers are kind of reeling now without they lost their two best players, you know, over the last months. It's not surprising me, surprising to me that the Dynamax swept them, but it is surprising to me that just how well they continue to play. And it seems mm-hmm. to me like they're not really going to go anywhere. You know, they have a recipe for how they win games. They continue to do it. You know, you can talk all you want about, uh, Carroll, but you know, Rivera's getting the job done. Uh, Grill Jr.'s getting the job done. Christian Walker's getting the job done. They're getting the pitching they need to get. It's they're going to be in it. And you know, as the Dodgers kind of go through the season, we expect them to be, you know, definitely in the hunt still for the NOS. Like the Dodgers are out of it. And you know, even the Giants and Padres are still there. But this looks like a team that's built for success, not only this year, but for many years to come. They're ahead of their schedule, but I don't think that means anything. I think. Maybe the schedule was wrong, I guess, is the right way to look at it. Like, they're here. They're here to stay. Corbin Carroll is just he's got like a 968 OPS, three war already, 3.1 baseball reference war already. Like, he's like the real deal. You just had him on your show, so shout out Chris Rose rotation. Um, I think that that, to me, is the biggest surprise is they just continued to play really, really fundamentally sound pressure-packed baseball and the Dodgers you know they've had some problems with injuries and they've they've sustained it decently well but the Diamondbacks aren't going anywhere so it's up to the Dodgers now to catch them and that to me is the most surprising part is it fair to say that if you had a MVP ballot to cast it would go something like Ronald Acuna Corbin Carroll Freddie Freeman is that too much Oh, he, I, yeah, I think he's going to be a top five MVP getter and he's still rookie of the year eligible. It's, it's amazing when you look at like what he does once he gets on base and he's got more than 30 extra base hits, dude. No, he's real deal. He is the real deal. And they, by the way, Arizona, y'all got a deal. You and on that, yeah, Corbin Carroll and Ronald Acuna. Um, in five years at the All-Star game can commiserate with one another about the contracts they sign. <laughs> not gonna Dude, he's got, go, he's got a freaking, how much did he sign for? A hundred and something million? Yeah, it can, but it can max out. I with, know, he I wanted know. incentives put in that deal so that he got more based on how well he did. We Ooh, spent a lot I'm... of time talking about his contract. I want to go look it up again. I think it was for one... I think it's like 130-ish, nine years, 130, and then it can get That's to what like it can max out at? 154, I think, is what it maxes out at. Something like oh my that. my gosh, he's making 1.6 this year. Pretty good deal. Although, let's remember, the kid's 22. I have a yeah. kid that's 22. He, he is making 1.6, but there aren't that many zeros behind it. After, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marlins. Boy, I've been shitting on you for a while. I watched Saturday's comeback, and I watched Sunday's comeback. Good for you. 
Yeah. 17 and five in one run games. That is the highest winning percentage of one run game since 1900. I don't know if it can continue. At some point, that's going to flip. But that was awesome. They also had their league high 20th come from behind victory. 20. Five of their last seven games, they have had comeback wins. Off to their best start in 19 years. Jorge Soler, speaking of 19, yes. 19 homers. That's awesome. They've You've been, been asking great. for it. I have. Now, they still don't score a ton of runs. They don't. Like, Saturday, they were getting shut out. Joe Kelly comes on to try and close it out, and he blows the doors open. But that ability to not be mesmerized or overwhelmed by the late-inning moments, that can go a long way in, in meaningful games in September, can it? Oh, of course. Still 26 overall in runs, so it's kind of been sporadic in the way they've been scoring. Yep. But you're right. The one-run games are important. I think I think the one-run games are important, and the come-from-behind games are, are obviously important as well. But you learn to play in those close games, and yeah, it takes – you understand how to handle pressure. Yep. And hopefully the, – um, and they're hoping they're going to have some pressure come September. Oh, yeah. Yeah, particularly with that pitching. I think they could be around. We'll see. And I do want to give a little shout-out to Oakland. Good for you. Five wins in a row in the same season for the first time since 2021. Your reward is going home for four-game series with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. But we'll we'll be talking a lot about Oakland tomorrow because they have a kind of a special day that's going on up there. It's oh, yeah. the reverse uh, boycott. So we'll be talking about that on Tuesday's show. Finally, speaking of the Bay Area, we're going to get, venture off the major league path and hit the super regionals in college baseball because something fascinating happened uh, Sunday night in Palo Alto. Stanford and Texas, two of the more decorated college baseball programs over the years, are fighting it out in the super regional. Best of three. Texas took game one. Game two, Stanford winning, winning handily late as they get to an 8-3 to three lead. Their starting pitcher, Quinn Matthews, left-hander, 23-year-old senior, takes the mound with about 135 pitches in the ninth. So you're like, 135? Nobody throws that in the majors. Well, he throws 21. He finishes with 156 pitches. Is this a big story or no big deal? It depends, I guess, who you ask. If it's me, you're I'm talking about you. A, you're talking about a senior, you know, trying to get his team to the College World Series, having them advance in a in a three game set. I I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, let the guy pitch. If he's if he if he's feeling good, he's a top 150 prospect. He's a top 150 prospect, which means rounds four, five, whatever. Okay, what does the coach owe him and okay. his family? I mean, we're going to get into a much deeper topic if you want to, because I don't know where like the hundred pitch count came from. You know, we've had, I mean, guys for years through that many pitches. I mean, I talked to Burt Blylevin so much about this and he obviously he has to take on it because he's thrown, he's done that probably 50 times in his career. Uh, I don't know where this all came from. Now, I think if you're a guy that throws very hard and, and you know, you, you're putting crazy amounts of stress on your arm because you throw 100 miles an hour. Yeah, probably 150 pitches, probably not good for you. If you're a guy that doesn't do that and is built up and feels good and maybe, you know, I I have no problem with it. I don't. 
I, I, cause I don't okay. know where that number came from. The hundred pitch count. I don't know where that came from. People still get injured all the time that are on pitch counts all the time. You are right about all of that stuff. And I agree with you. And, I, and if he I wants to pitch, one. what are you, how are you going to tell him? Because you're his coach. And at the end of the day, coaches help kids make decisions. I agree with hey, that. Listen, I, you're right. You're right. You're right about that. You're right about that. Because yes. if not, then what's the point of a manager or coach? I mean, okay, guys, just run run it yourselves. I'll be here if you need me. No, no, that's not how it goes. So when you walk into some kids, did you ever have a coach come to recruit you and walk into your house? Of course. Okay. Do you well, think you know they, what? I actually canceled on Stanford. My bad. Did the USC coach walk into your house? Yes. Did they tell? Did the coach tell your parents, we will take care of Trevor? Of course. Yeah, of course. They promised okay. the world to you. Right. So part of that is you are entrusting the health and well-being of our kid. Now, if our kid makes some stupid decisions, the coach can't do anything about that shit. But when it comes to baseball and looking out for their general health and well-being and per and potential future earnings, the coach has to ha has to factor that in, particularly when it's eight to three. It was eight to three after eight innings. When would you have taken him out? After the eighth. What, how many pitches? I think it was 135, and you're, I could so you're, be wrong. But it that's was, your limit now is 130? No, I still – can I tell you this? I turned it on in the seventh inning, and they said he had like 100 pitches. I was like, oh, okay, kid's done. Maybe I'm conditioned to think that way. But when he went out there, I watched it, and it, to me it was a little cringeworthy. I have to be honest with you. To me, the reason the big league level and the – and when you're in pro ball, the reason they have pitch limits is because they've invested money into you. I don't yes, think it's have. really about like the health and like, oh, we just got to make sure we're taking care of this guy. No, we're taking care of our investment. Uh, and again, I'm I just, you. I, uh, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see college coaches exploit kids. I don't want that to happen. I, I think that that is, that's not okay. I don't know what the situation was here with the coach and the and the, and the family because they're also still involved when you're, you know, in college. You're still an amateur athlete. Like I don't know what the discussions were involved there and 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 what they entailed. But I don't know, man. I just the the pitch count to me is such a weird um, part of weird. baseball. And like we it, went it from weird. we went from years of not really caring at all about it. And we're and we immortalize guys like Jack Morris, who threw ten innings in a in a World Series game, and Burt Blylev, and we he's in the Hall of Fame largely because he pitched a lot. Right. I mean, listen, there were there were reports because we didn't keep pitch counts that Nolan Ryan threw well over two hundred pitches in games, well over two hundred pitches, so which is shocking. I'm, yeah. I, I again, I think if you have and Nolan Ryan obviously is a great counter to this argument but if you're throwing cheese and 100 miles an hour then I, I probably would set your pitch count a little bit lower than a lefty that's not throwing 100 miles an hour uh, listen i i don't i would agree with you i don't know where the answer lies in terms of injury and if 156 is put you at significantly more risk than 135 or even than 100 i don't know and i know that this kid wrote one of his papers on alternative advancement past Tommy John surgery in terms of taking care of an arm. So he obviously is researched and well-versed and things of that nature, but still end of the day, 
I wonder if the head coach at Stanford woke up this morning and said, what, what did I do? Maybe. 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 It was just fascinating to watch. I hope the kid's okay. Now, the telling tale could be if Stanford beats Texas tonight, advances to Omaha, and then the next time out we see. Because he's thrown, I think, th almost 340 pitches in the whole week in his last two starts. We'll see. All right, a lot going on. Uh, Corbin Carroll on the Rose rotation. Go check out the Yankees version of Baby Ball Players. It's very cute. Guys did a really good job. They get very competitive in it. It's it's turned into a fun little series that we're going to release every Sunday. All right, we are back at it on Tuesday. For those of you that join us on AMP, I think we'll be up at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Pacific. Enjoy your off day up there in Minneapolis, A, eh? for our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Thanks for tuning in to Baseball Today.